0: This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. Today we're going to talk about how to have a clear conscience. You see, our conscience is like a window. If it's clean, the sunlight shines through it beautifully. But if that window is dirty, the sun doesn't come through clearly and it's darker and it's not as clear. So I want to ask you this morning. All of us have a God-given conscience. Even a lost man or woman who's without Christ and on their way to hell, they have a conscience also. Everybody has a conscience saying, don't do that. Uh, Don't do that. The Christian, the child of God, has the Holy Spirit in him saying, don't do that. Do this instead this will harm you this will bless you the person who doesn't have the spirit of god in them they don't hear from the holy spirit amen but they do have a conscience that tells them right or wrong they know it and they go against it all of us are tempted to go against it even as christians what happens when our conscience is defiled what happens when our conscience Is seared. What happens when our conscience is sold? It's like the Holy Spirit's illumining work just can't get to us to guide us anymore. And you know what happens? Our life becomes a life instead of mercy and blessedness from God, our life becomes a calamity because we have a defiled conscience. Listen to what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 and also 19. Listen to what he said. See, Paul, he was an exhorter, an encourager, an instructor to Timothy. Timothy was younger than him. He was developing him to be a leader in the early church. And listen to what Paul said to Timothy. Now, Timothy was not Paul's son. He did not come from Paul's body, but he calls him son because that is Paul's tender way of saying, I'm for you. I love you. I I see myself as older and you're younger and I want you to be successful. I want to protect you, guide you, train you, disciple you. So he says to Timothy, he says, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. I want to encourage you this morning. You need to have a clear conscience. I'm going to show you how the conscience works and then we'll close with you getting your conscience Clear, Because it affects everything you do. He told him in verse 19, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. He says, for some people have deliberately violated their conscience. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Some of you know exactly what that is. You know, Paul was shipwrecked one time, maybe more than once, but one specific time he found himself shipwrecked, the ship broken into pieces that he was floating, hanging on to a piece of wood. I want to ask you this. At one time in your life, did you walk with God? And then you made some decisions that were wrong, and you would have to say, it's affected me to this very day. And you feel like you're holding on to a timber floating in the water and you're looking around and you don't know where to go. What it is, you've shipwrecked your faith. That's what's happened. You've made a decision to go the wrong way and now your life has become a calamity. You feel shipwrecked in your faith. So I want to ask you this question. When you were walking with God, before you got shipwrecked, were you tempted by something? Just like we talked about Adam and Eve yesterday. Started with a temptation, and they went all the way and messed the whole human race up. Let me ask you, were you tempted by something, and you gave into it, and you say, I remember the day where I was, the person or the circumstances... And my life has never been the same since that day. And it seemed like I have floated on a piece of wood in a big ocean ever since. And now the years have slipped by. I don't know how much longer I'm going to live. And what I thought I would have done, I never did. And now I'm not sure if I have the brain power and the physical health to do what I always thought I would, shipwreck. But this is the good news, my friend. You're still alive. And God can do with you in three years what most Christians never do who never miss church. They go and they sleep through church every Sunday. Or they study their Bible backwards and forwards and even the maps, but they never lead one soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what they do? They just float out there on a log and they flounder and God never uses them at all. And so I want you to think about this. When you were being tempted, was something telling you, don't do that? Don't do that. That was your conscience. And if you were a child of God, that was the Holy Spirit saying, don't do that. And the reason, he wasn't trying to keep you from enjoying life. He was trying to warn you, this will eventually, it may take some time, but this decision you're about to make will destroy your faith and puts you on a sea of turmoil, and you'll wonder, how on earth did I get here in this shape? So that's what we're talking about this morning. How to let God guide you, how to clear your conscience. Because Paul clearly told Timothy, he says, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience Cleared. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. As God's children, when we do something wrong, we get an uneasy feeling deep down inside. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to you through your conscience. Even a person without Christ has a God-given conscience. That tells them when they've done wrong. And so if we're going to enjoy ongoing sweet fellowship with God and to have a good relationship with others, we have to have a clear conscience. The apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 24 verse 16, talking about himself, the same thing he exhorted Timothy to do, talking about himself, he says, I myself Always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and man. So, I want to ask you this morning, this very day, to begin to have a clear conscience. And from this day forward, I want to encourage you to strive every single day to say, Is there something between me and God? Is there something between me and another person? If it is, I'm going to deal with it as soon as the Holy Spirit makes me aware of it in my conscience. If you live that way, you'll have a clear conscience and you'll be bold in the things of God. You see, a clear conscience is that inner freedom of spirit that comes from knowing that you're right with God and that you're right with other people. You see, there is the Godward aspect. We must be right with God. We must know in our heart that there is nothing between God and me. And there is the manward aspect. We must be right with our fellow man. We must know that we have made things right with others so that no one can point their finger at us and say, you did me wrong and you never came and asked me to forgive you. So I want to ask you, is there someone in your life today And you would have to say, I admit I did her wrong. I admit I did him wrong. Maybe it was your grandparents who tried really hard to help you, or your mom and dad. Or maybe it was a brother or a sister. Or maybe it was your first wife. Or maybe it was a girl that you got pregnant, but you never married her and she's had to raise their children on her own. I've done her wrong. Or maybe you've done a man wrong. Maybe you enticed him and you never should have done that, and you know it. We need to go to people and say, I was wrong. I should not have done that to you. Will you forgive me? I'm sorry. And just get it over with you may have a son that doesn't know you that well or a daughter and they're trying to make it and they're having a hard time and they're little and they're looking around at this big world and they feel like little children all lost because dad's not there or mom's not there go to them and say i'm sorry from this day forward i'm going to do better i'm going to be your dad i don't know how but i'm going to be your dad i'm going to be your mom I'm going to learn how I'm going to come off of this substance that's holding me like a vice and holding me down. And I want to be loved and I want to be able to love others and then tell them what God's been doing in your life. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. I want to encourage you today when you leave here that your conscience will be cleared. And so we have to remember when we have rejected our conscience, that we have shipwrecked our own lives. And we must remember this. If we don't have a clear conscience, we won't think correctly, we won't act correctly, we won't feel correctly. You know, a lot of people want to blame their family on their problems. But you know, a family can't cause problems. A nation can't cause problems. A local church can't cause problems. It takes individuals in a family to cause problems. It takes individuals in a nation to cause problems. It takes individuals in a local church to cause problems. The nation didn't cause the problem. The family didn't cause the problem. The local church did not cause the problem. Problems can only come from human beings within those structures. You know, if we're not careful, we'll blame everything on the nation, everything on the family, and everything on the local church, instead of saying no. It was individuals that caused all the problems. Is that not right? Individuals cause problems, and, and many individuals causing many problems causes big problems worldwide. And so mistakes and sins are made by individuals. You and I sin one at a time. We sin one at a time. And you know what? Jesus Christ came to die for all of our sins. So we can ignore or we can listen to God speaking to us through our God-given conscience. But if your conscience is defiled, if the window of your conscience is dirty, the light can't shine through clearly and it darkens the whole inner man. Have you ever noticed sometimes we pray to God and we say the same thing over and over again? Have you ever noticed that? You think back on your prayer life. I think back on my prayer life. God, will you forgive me of this? And then you think, you know, I asked him that yesterday. You know what? Even the day before yesterday, I asked him the same thing the same way. And you know what? The day before that, sin confess sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess. You know what? Here's a danger. Listen to me. Some people think that they're getting forgiveness as they sin, confess, sin, confess, and they begin to feel proud of how often and how long they ask God to forgive them, but the Bible clearly tells. That Jesus Christ died for all sins one time, eternally, forever. But this is the problem. Why would somebody sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess? Why would they do that every single day? This is the reason. I love you, so listen. It's because they've never repented. In other words, I feel better now that I've confessed my sins and asked God to forgive me and then go do the same thing within 30 minutes. You know what? You know what true repentance is? I'm walking this way and I say no more. I turn and put my back to it and I walk this way from this day forward. And I keep going this way. I do not go back. That's true repentance. And that clears the conscience. This is the danger, especially here in these southern states. There's churches on every street corner with Bibles in them. We begin to feel good about sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess, but we never repent. We never repent. So that is a danger that many of us have, confessing the same sins over and over and over and over again. Now, First John 1, 9, very popular. Many people know this verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. All means all in the Bible. It means every single one. Now, God cannot move through an individual and therefore a local church without unconfessed, unrepented of sin. What happens? Our sin as God's children calls us to have a defiled conscience and that quenches the indwelling Holy Spirit. So sometimes people say, I do not have the power to quit smoking cigarettes. I can't quit doing this drug. Yes, you can. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. And God created the heavens and the earth, and that same God lives in you. You know what's happening? You're not choosing to repent and say, goodbye, I'm going this way from this day forward and the Holy Spirit's going to help me do it. That's the problem. And so we keep going back to the same old thing over and over again. And so we have to ask ourselves this question. Do I have genuine repentance, a turning away from known sin, or am I only rehearsing something, or am I repenting specifically? Sometimes we don't repent specifically. You say, what do you mean? Name the sin. Father, I know cigarettes are eating my lungs inside out, and one day at the hospital I'll drown slowly in my own fluid for what I've done with the cigarettes. I choose today to repent of cigarettes. I choose today to repent of alcohol. I choose today. Whatever it is, it could be a thousand things nowadays. A pornography, prostitution, sleeping with many women. That's evil. That's what's wrong with the world. Children being born out of wedlock and not having anybody nurture them and say, this is how you go and read the Bible to them. My wife and I, we adopted a little girl at 10 months of age from Russia, from an orphanage in Russia. Nobody wanted her. We wanted her. And we began to teach her God's word. From the very beginning. That's what we're supposed to be. But Satan has deceived us, just like he deceived Adam and Eve, and we're going a whole different direction. We're backwards going the wrong way. The good thing is this. We have the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit of God. And we have people who are willing in love to show us so we can say, that is correct. I am wrong in my thinking. I turn my back on it. I'm going this way. I'm leaving that. I'm repenting. You see, we've got to do more than just sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess. we got to turn and walk the other way as quickly as possible. Now, what is a seared conscience? A seared conscience. 1 Timothy chapter 4, look at verses 1 and 2. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, uh, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared as with a hot iron. My friend, listen, you know what that is? That is a person they can't feel anymore. They can't be loved and they can't love other people. And it does not bother them one iota to destroy their body with a substance to change how they feel. They just don't care. And the Bible says, Paul said to Timothy, in latter times, some will depart from the faith. Remember what he said earlier when he was talking uh, to Timothy? He said that if you don't have a clear conscience, you'll shipwreck your faith. And now he's saying in latter times, some will depart from the faith. You know what? They have a seared conscience. He says they will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. In other words, it's like taking a hot iron to tissue paper. It just disintegrates. You ever met someone whose conscience was so seared they have no feeling about murder? Rape, incest with your own daughter. My friend, listen, you must be born again. If that conscience is seared so that anything can be done without feeling anything, something's wrong. So why did God give us a conscience? God gave us a conscience to be a monitor. It's a very positive thing. I know we don't like it. And I want to tell you something. If you drink enough, you won't hear your conscience. If you smoke it up, you won't hear your conscience. But listen to this. If you do not turn your alarm on in your house, it won't be able to go off when someone breaks in. How's that going to work out for you? If you take in a substance to make you feel differently because you don't like the way you feel because of the way you think, mark it down, you're going to sear like a hot iron your conscience. It's not going to bother you. So a conscience may bother you, and you think, I wish it would go away, but it's actually the best thing that could be happening to you. It's saying, don't do that. Uh, Don't do that. Don't do that. I minister in prisons, and these inmates tell me all the time, if I had just listened to God when I was walking up to that house to kill that man, and he was telling me, no, 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 and I stepped him down, and now I'm here for life. I hear this and I've seen this over and over again. Why did God give us a conscience? To monitor attitudes and actions before they take place and even after they have occurred. Our conscience is like a radar that detects things that are coming into our lives. The conscience helps us understand and see God's will personally. God's will in our church, God's will in our nation, and the present world system we live in, our conscience helps us discern what's really going on and what to do about it. I talked to a man just two nights ago, and he's in a corner. He may lose a great job, and this is what he told me. I dropped out of church years ago, and it has bothered me every day since. And in my mind, I kept thinking, I'm going to get back in. I'm going to begin to walk with God. I'm going to begin to read my Bible again. He said, I've been saying that inwardly, silently, year after year, and now 25 years have gone by, and I'm still not even thinking about going to go. And now I'm in a corner. I've come to you, pastor, and I'm wanting God to help me. You know what I told him? I said, I love you, so listen. God's been trying to help you 25 years. He's been saying little things, but you keep putting it down, putting it down, putting it down. And now the decisions he's made got him in the corner. He cannot blame anyone. He did it by allowing his conscience to be defiled. You can't blame it on anybody else. You can't blame it on your mom and your dad. You can't blame it. On anybody in authority over it, you just have to look in the mirror and say, okay, I have shipwrecked and brought calamity into my own life. I did it, and I'm tired of it, and I'm going to stop. And so our conscience is like a radar that detects things that are coming into our life. So what is a seared conscience? It's a person who denies and rejects the alarm of the conscience, eventually, They cannot hear the alarm of the conscience anymore. It is seared. A seared conscience is the result of a continuous telling God no, a continuous ignoring the still small voice of God. That's what it is. Now, here are seven steps that lead a person to having a seared conscience. The first one is this. We are convicted. The Holy Spirit convicts us. When the Spirit of God lives in you and you willfully sin, the Holy Spirit convicts you and reveals to you that you've sinned. So we feel convicted. And the second thing is this. We feel condemned. Now, I know as God's children, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I completely understand that, and I can teach it. But listen to this. The conviction intensifies, and the Holy Spirit brings about a feeling of condemnation. Positionally, if you're a child of God, you're no longer under condemnation because you're in Christ. But in your emotions, where you feel, you feel in your emotions condemned. Positionally in Christ, you're not condemned. But in your emotions, you are feeling condemned. And then the third thing is we struggle. When you have sinned, you are convicted by the Holy Spirit, you feel condemned, and then you begin to struggle. And the struggle eventually comes to agonizing. And the reason you do not deal with it immediately, this is the reason, Galatians five seventeen. listen to this, for the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. So this is what's going on. There's a battle going on within you. The Holy Spirit saying, don't do that. And your self, flesh, saying, do it, you'll love it. And instead of saying no to self and yes to God, you say no to God and yes to me. That is shipwrecking your faith, bringing calamity in your life, There's something between you and God, Godward, and there's something between you and other people, manward. You lose all your relationships, one by one by one. So we struggle, and then we find ourselves, we're troubled, a continual uneasiness, but you may still refuse to stop and deal with it. We're going to deal with it just in a few minutes. And then we become sluggish. You ever just get sick and tired? of being sick and tired. Why in the world am I sleeping in the middle of the day and I'm up all night? Why am I sluggish? It's because your conscience has been seared. So therefore you're thinking incorrectly. Therefore it causes you to act incorrectly and it causes you to feel incorrectly and then you need a substance to put you at ease. So we become sluggish. And so you begin to compare yourself with the sins of others. And in what you perceive as degrees of sins, and you look at this person, I'm not as bad as him. I'm not as good as her, but I'm not as bad as him. And the next thing you know, you begin to think wrongly about sin. Look, sin is sin. There's no little sins and big sins. Sin is sin. Number six, we begin to indulge in sin. We choose not to deal with it and begin a downhill journey to silence the conscience. And then we get comfortable with it and begin to defend it. Somebody says, you need to stop drinking. Your son and your daughter, they're afraid of you. You say, well, look, you know, everybody drinks. And you begin to defend it because you can't let go of it. And then we practice silence to deaden our conscience to the loving, pleading conviction of the Holy Spirit. We begin to be loners to stay where we are, pushing the voice of the Holy Spirit away, staying alone, staying in the addiction. And we find ourselves completely separated from God, no fellowship with God, like drifting on a log in an ocean, thinking, how did the years go by? And I find myself this way. You say, what do you do with this message? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Right now, my friend, I want to encourage you to pray along with me. If you're a child of God here today, that means God's Spirit's within you. And He's been telling you, do this, don't do this. And He's been loving you all the way, and He always will love you. But you've been not listening to Him. You've been going your own way. So I want you to pray along with me. If you are a child of God, I want you to pray along with me. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Dear Lord, I ask you right now to forgive me of all those times I knew the right thing to do. I just did not do it. I choose right now to repent of living my own way and to choose to live your way, knowing that I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. I'm the glove. You're the hand. I'm going to let you control me from here forward. Thank you, Jesus. Now you may be here today and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Picture him right now hanging on the cross with all of your sins upon him. Hear him cry out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? See him there now on the cross with all of your sin, past, present, and future. He's hanging there and he's completely dead having paid the price that you owed he was your substitute he did it for you and he did it as you ask him right now to come into your heart and save you you can pray with me right now dear Lord I know I'm a sinner I know I need a savior I put all my trust in this fact alone Jesus Christ died for me personally I believe that with all of my heart I ask you now to come into my heart and save me. Thank you now for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.